0: Before we get into the episode, I want to give a shout out to friend of the show, Theo Pashley, who designed our logo. He has a new album out now called Better Days to Come. It's on Spotify and Apple Music, and I recommend you give it a listen. Now, on with the show. The youth simply will not buy the world that the elders have given them. They see too much hypocrisy in it. They see too many things that are wrong with it. And I think that the elders are going to have to realize that they
1: simply can no longer browse the youth into following its established path. Welcome back to Sunset Politics. Today we have a very exciting episode. We have a very special guest with us today, um, Miss Olivia Dunn, and she is here to talk all things Title IX. So before we get into our awesome conversation with her, will our other co-hosts please introduce themselves? Hi, I'm Sam Zackley.
0: I'm Story Ernie.
1: And I forgot to say my name. Hi, everyone. My name is Molly.
0: So uh, today... Uh we have Olivia on. Olivia, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Olivia.
0: Olivia is on because of a lot of work she has done in regards to Title Nine. Uh, which if you don't know, well I guess we'll we'll get into that. But uh she was recently featured in a documentary on ESPN Plus called Thirty Seven Words. Uh she's in part four. Uh, if you want to go watch it, the whole series is really good. I've seen it all. Um, and episode four, I, I think was great also. So we have some questions about uh, Title IX, what it means, uh, what the future is. So let's just jump right into it. The first question is, what is Title IX?
2: So essentially, Title IX is... Okay, the full story is really complicated, but it essentially prevents the government from discriminating against people based on sex anything that receives any sort of government funding. So that's your schools, your sports, and it has extended to other things as well. But originally it was just like a thing that said that there cannot be any discrimination on the basis of sex in anything that gets to government funding.
3: Awesome. Thank you. All right. So would you like just to start just by introducing um, what happened, like what your situation is and what led to the
2: lawsuit that you were involved in. Yeah, for sure. So my high school essentially had a historic remodel where we gutted the entire place and put in completely new facilities. It was multi-million dollars. It was really highly, there's a lot of media coverage and they ended up building a beautiful new baseball field in the process. The softball field that would have been at its equivalent was originally on the plans, but they ended up taking it off even before they broke ground or before anything happened with the construction. And they sent us back to where our home field had been historically, which is a really horrible park that had a lot of issues that the boys just never had to deal with. And it was a really clear title line violation. So my coach, who had coached in the program for about like 35 years, I think, and had been a part of it even longer, decided to gather some of us and sue, basically. So that's kind of the lead up to what has happened now.
1: I would love to ask you just a little bit of a follow-up question to um, your awesome um, background on how your connection is to Title IX. Uh, what was it like with people's different like reactions and responses to the lawsuit were people pretty supportive or did you run into a lot of critics or what was that process like with kind of juggling you know how you're feeling because it affects you directly and people maybe who weren't as affected by it um trying to have discussions with you about the lawsuit and just about the issue overall
2: i think like first of all it was definitely a hard step to take because like i was still a grant high school student so suing my school district as a student and as someone who would continue to be a student for another year and a half or so was weird because like I knew they couldn't technically do anything to me and I knew they probably wouldn't even if they could but like it still felt weird but after that we definitely had a lot of interesting conversations. A lot of people didn't know about it really because there had never been a softball field at Grant so they're not building a softball field wasn't exactly... They weren't taking anything away. They were just continuing what had already been happening. So it wasn't a super big thing for people who weren't softball players. But I know once the lawsuit had already happened, we got a lot of pushback from the Neighborhood Association, basically saying that they didn't want the lights that would come with the softball field, that it would, like, disturb their peace or whatever. They didn't want the construction. They didn't want, like, continued construction. That was a big problem. There was a dude that said he was, like, ruined the like serenity of the park which was a good one that we still laugh about um yeah so there was a lot of that and then there was also some from the baseball team where basically while the construction was happening they weren't actually able to play on their field because our we share outfields, so like our real estate is their real estate and we had to tear them theirs up to build it so there was a lot of that you know They were mad. A lot of them lost their senior seasons, which I know was really difficult emotionally. And, like, I get that. Um, But we had a lot of, why do you need a field? You know, your program isn't as good as the baseball program. So, like, why are you messing us up in pursuit of your own means there? Like, there was a lot of that, which was really difficult.
1: Thank you for sharing. Oh, my gosh. Especially about the Neighborhood Association. That's really interesting because... You would think that if you choose to live next to a school, that you would recognize that some of those things come with it, like parking or construction. <laughs> yeah. So it's always a little bit ironic when neighbors complain about those things. And like you were saying about the senior season, I think it's really awesome that you're able to recognize, hey, I you know I understand that you guys didn't get your season, but this is a necessary thing for future generations of softball players and baseball players to be able to say, hey, we both love a sport and we want to be able to play it and that's amazing um and that actually kind of because you were talking about this a little bit in your response what are some common misconceptions about title IX that maybe you've heard people ask you about or just in general that you've heard
2: i mean i think a really big misconception is that it takes away from boys in any way because it doesn't like girls sports and boys sports often are have equivalents like baseball and softball And I personally watch baseball to, like, learn and to grow in my own sport and grow as a character, like, watching a really good baseball player and how he reacts to a certain situation. And I know baseball players can use softball in the same way. So it's, like, even though they did have that one tiny little negative, I think it is a net positive for them. And another really big misconception is that it's about sports in general, like, Title IX really does cover sports, and sports do get a lot of media coverage in this country, so I think that's kind of why, but it also covers discrimination in the classroom, just in general. Um, My part of 37 Words talks about this a little bit, like, it covers sexual harassment, and it covers, like, admissions scandals, so you can't say you can't come to law school because you're a woman, like, that can't happen. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the two really big ones that I think I get a lot.
0: Um, yeah, those are, are definitely ones that I've heard also. So, uh, in the documentary, there's one quote, um, I believe you said it it might've been someone else, but I think it was you. Um, when you said you wouldn't have guessed that title IX was passed 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so what did you, was that you, am I remembering that correctly? And, uh, what do you think that means? I
2: think I think that was Elizabeth, but I really do feel the same sentiment. And I think what she's trying to say there is that title 9 while it was passed 40 or 50 years ago and while we have made so much progress since then, there are still some like huge huge really blatant inequalities that we experience as women day to day that if you think there's like a law that says I can't be discriminated in this place like, and then you actually see the working realities of what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, you see this huge discrepancy between what the law says and what you're experiencing.
3: Thank you. All right, so for anyone who maybe hasn't uh, read up on the lawsuit or is, you know, jumping into this completely fresh, would you mind... um, Explaining to the you know the extent that you can because I know that like you have to be careful with what you say with some things how the lawsuit has come along and you know did you guys end up getting your field um, and just like explaining a little bit of that
2: yeah for sure um, I'll share the whole process because I think it's actually really interesting so first we had to do a land use hearing and that was to basically get the permissions for the land so at that point even if we had won the lawsuit we wouldn't have had permission to build on the land, so it really didn't matter. So we did the designs, we decided what we wanted to do, and then we got the land use hearing. That was where we bumped into a lot of neighborhood association things. So it was basically us as a team, and we had one side of the hearing and then the neighborhood association on the other, and they basically got to say like why we don't want a softball field there. It was a good three hours, it was pretty pretty fun. Um, so we did that. We won that. And then we went into the lawsuit and officially sued in, I want to say, June of last year. So we actually, how do I say this? We reached a settlement agreement, which contained basically us getting a field and a couple of other measures that, you know, equalized the baseball and softball fields on like funding and jerseys and whatever else equipment was a really big one so yeah that is kind of how it went and then we got basically into the construction phase and trying to push the construction along which got delayed five months I think so even though we were technically supposed to have a season on the field in 2022 we didn't actually end up doing that because the construction got delayed so much.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's a very um, interesting process. And I'm glad that you explained to the part about the land because that's, I didn't know that that's really interesting that you had to go through that process first before you could talk about getting the field. Um, My next question, this is going a little bit away from the lawsuit more towards like kind of the political side of title nine, but do you feel that in like your personal knowledge or beliefs that the Biden administration has done a, good job about approaching Title IX, or is there any things that you wish that the Biden administration will do in the next two years or hope to see um,
2: regarding Title IX in any way? I mean, I can't speak too much on what they have done just because I'm not nearly as informed as I should be, but I feel like I would like to see more advocacy for Title IX. And like, for example, I didn't really know it was an option for my situation before we went out and did the thing and I feel like a lot of people are in that situation where they're having something that is a Title IX violation and they either don't know that it's a Title IX violation or they don't know that it, there's something that they can do to fix it so I think just continued advocacy of like this is Title IX this is what it is this is how it can be used here are your resources is always so good in any situation really so I would like to see them just making that more readily available. Thank you. Uh, I really
1: appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I I can talk about a bit of the the legal side of things about what the Biden administration's done because I did some reading on it beforehand. um Basically, uh, if you don't know for everyone listening, the under the Trump administration, the department the Department of Education basically issued a bunch of um, rules that really kind of like declawed Title Nine. It was like schools don't have to report this if they're this if they're um a religious school they can basically get become totally exempt from Title IX if they want to and they don't even have to tell the students. Um and so the Biden administration basically at like the very start of his presidency he like issued an executive order telling the the Secretary of Education to review those policies. And then like um like last month he like proposed a new set of rules to um to essentially reverse back a lot of those protections and add more protections especially for um for uh, LGBT students which have been uh, which are definitely part of Title IX so um, yeah if you want to you can do more reading on the legal stuff I don't want to take up too much time I guess like going on, on off the um, LGBT students thing how do you think Title IX um, affects that specifically with regards to um, transgender athletes because that's been a, a big subject of discourse in the past few months
2: I mean I think Title IX should protect all women so I think Title IX does absolutely protect trans women in sports and obviously this is like a huge issue right now and it's a, also a part of my documentary um, and I think they can tell it a lot better than I can. But I do think that Title IX applies there and it should be more readily used in that area. Um, I, I don't know how else to say that. I really do think that Title IX does apply to trans women and that it should be used to pursue productions for trans women.
3: Perfect. Thank you so much. I know you mentioned that, um, you know, you had some backlash from, like, the Neighborhood Association and some people on the baseball team when, you know, challenging something that is Title IX related and addresses, um, like, sexism within, um you know, uh, government-funded institutions, did you find that you were met with any sexism or misogyny or, like, did you, uh, did you feel like there was pushback that felt discriminatory or do you feel like it was, like, just small things here and there?
2: I think definitely in the case of the Neighborhood Association, it wasn't particularly on the basis of sex. They just, like, They didn't want the construction and the extra foot traffic. I think if the softball field had been in there and the baseball boys were fighting for the field, I think they would have done the same thing, honestly. So, like, that wasn't really a problem for me other than being annoying. The baseball boys, on the other hand, and just, like, people in that community, I got a lot of, like, not quite sexist, but, like, not not, where they're like, you know, why does softball need a field? I got a lot of, like, why are softball and baseball different why can't you just play on their field it's like if you do like one google you will know that they're different fields and that we while we can play on their field it would require modifications that you guys aren't willing to make so like I it was a lot of that and then especially at the PPS school board meetings that I would go to even before the lawsuit I got a lot of oh, we support you, and we support women in sports, and you're so cute, but... And then here's all the reasons why we can't do it. And, like, I don't know. It just... It felt really weird, especially as a kid, like, going up against that and being like, okay, well, you know, this is how things are going to be run right now for the time being unless I come out and do something about it, so...
1: you actually just gave me from your answer another question uh i'm trying to figure out how to phrase this but do you wish that there was more education specific not to like call out like cis men but like for like maybe men who play cis men who play sports about what title nine is not again not just in sports maybe just in general education greater explanation and education around what title nine is because it seems like a lot of people just don't fully have a grasp on it from a lot of stuff that you have said so is that something that you wish would change is like the level of education and overall knowledge that people have regarding title IX?
2: for sure I think education in any sense is never like it never hurts but in this sense I really do think that I don't know there are so many benefits for men under title IX if you just like go out and look for them and I feel like it's when we say, oh, we're giving this to the women. They kind of go, oh, so you're taking it from me, when that is absolutely not the case. And I think we could avoid a lot of those adverse reactions if we just kind of sat everyone down and said, like, if we do this, it will not harm you in any way, and it will be good for you. And I feel like that education and just that increased understanding and knowledge would really go a lot to support not only men pursuing their own sports ventures just for them to be better people, but also women who are pursuing Title IX cases to feel more supported and safe in their community while they're going through that.
1: Can I ask one more follow-up question? <laughs> of course. Is that okay? Okay. Um I also am kind of wondering, do you wish that there was more of a space also to have those conversations that is honestly like a space where people just want to be like learn from each other. And not even just about Title IX, but like other issues in society that do you wish there was like more of a safe space for people who really do want to learn and who want to make a change to be able to sit and talk and just have a real conversation about what's going
2: on? For sure. I mean, I know for me, when I was going through it, I was like, okay, like, what do I, how do I do this? You know, what do I wear to meet my lawyer? Like, How do I behave in this situation? What do they want for me to say? And I feel like if I had had someone who had gone through it in the past to be like, not even in like a situation similar to mine, like any Title IX case, any case related to Title IX-like issues, if I had had someone to be like, hey, I'm doing this, this is what's happening right now. How how do I handle this situation? I feel like that would have been really comforting to me. Obviously, I can't speak for other people and other people who haven't gone through this. But I do think just like having spaces to have real genuine conversations never hurts anyone. And the more genuine conversations we can have, the less problems we're going to have in the first place.
1: I completely agree. That was a really beautiful answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. Off to yeah. you.
0: <laughs> I, had a, I had a bit of a follow-up question from your previous answer. So you said that there's um, a lot of stuff for uh, men in Title IX, if you look for it. Um, what are some examples of that? Because I think a lot of people don't really see those.
2: I think just everyone having like a space to like come to the table and share their experiences is good. Just because, like, like I was saying earlier... I can learn from men, and men can learn from me just watching me play and watching how I behave on the field, just in that context. Like, that. watching softball players as baseball players is only a good thing. You're only going to learn. You're only going to walk away and be like, this one girl did this one thing, and I can take that into my game, and I can apply that. And I think that kind of mindset really does apply, you know. That applies across the board for sports, in my opinion, you know this female soccer player did this thing and now I'm going to go practice that, you know, stuff like that. And I also think that women feeling more safe in their school and work environments will only increase like their ability to do things, their ability to learn, which benefits society as a whole. So like, I guess it's not like a benefit for men specifically, but it is a benefit for like society as a whole,
0: which will then in turn benefit men. Thank you. That was really thoughtful.
3: Yeah, so I think that a very, um, hot topic surrounding Title IX right now is, uh, women being paid less than men in sports, in, like, professional sports, so I just wanted to, um hear your thoughts on that because I know some people are like oh you know it's not a title nine problem because you know they just don't bring as many fans in and so like they're making less money than men's sports do or do you think that is a title nine issue like I just I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that.
2: I mean I think it it is a title nine issue in spirit but maybe not technically in legality just because title nine to my understanding like could be completely obvious To my understanding, it's, like, receiving government funding, and if the sports team doesn't receive government funding, it's not, like, technically a Title IX issue, but I do think it is a sexism issue, and it's, like, a really interesting thing to be talking about, because especially, like, the Olympic teams, I'm sure they receive some sort of funding that is government or government-adjacent, like, that, they should be paid the same. But also... Just saying straight out that women don't bring in as much fans, you don't bring in as much revenue, like time and time again, women in sports have proved that when given the opportunity and when given the same investment that you can give a men's team, they will do the they will be just as successful, you know. So like, you know, the MLB advertisements or like the men's soccer advertisements, if you had those advertisements for women and, and you had them playing in the same venue And you had the same media around the players and, you know, you sold the same amount of jerseys and had everything available and had the same catering. I'm sure that given time, women would rake in just as much money as men, because at the end of the day, sports are sports. We all like watching sports. And like, I don't see that being a solid argument in any real sense if the same investment is being made.
1: I could not agree more. I think that we constantly hear in society, oh, men's sports this, men's sports that. And it's really frustrating because I think playing sports for women or anyone who wants to play, no matter what gender, is empowering and it's fun and you get to be part of a team and meet people and learn new skills. And I just don't understand why there's such an emphasis on men's sports and why anybody else who wants to play just doesn't really get that same empowerment from a big majority of like the, of society. So thank you so much for highlighting that. Um, I just wanted to ask you, like, since obviously you're part of the lawsuit, um, is there anything specifically that you're hoping to tackle in the future like after having such a great result with your lawsuit, like is there any other specific issues of Title IX or anything else that you specifically want to work on or um,
2: contribute to? I mean, obviously, I would like to continue with, like, my work in advocacy as much as possible, because, again, I think education and increased education around Title IX and Title IX issues will only help us in the future. So, I, like, whatever I can do to make that happen, I'm going to do. Also, just, like, on a very, very personal note, I'm considering, after seeing the lawsuit and seeing the impact it's had on me and my community... I'm considering going into law school and tackling these same cases because one, it was inspiring just to like be a part of it and like be in the same room as these lawyers who knew so much and were so willing to put themselves on the line to help us. Like our lawyers did this pro bono, which was really cool. And they got their fees paid at the end by the district. But like the fact that they did that in the first place was just so, so impactful to me because like it meant something to them. And if I can give that to someone else, then I really, really want to.
1: That That's really cool. I didn't know that yeah. they did it for bono. That's amazing. And that's yeah. so cool to hear that the case has inspired you too, like for different goals in your own future. Um, sorry, I'm going to ask one more question. <laughs> this is kind of going off of what we just talked about, but um, what's like one piece of advice you would give to somebody who wants to challenge Title IX in some way, whether it's in the classroom or in sports, like what would you tell them or what advice would you give?
2: Um, I mean I think I would just tell them that it's okay you know what you're going through is actually happening and like you're not the only one who sees it so I would tell them to pursue it if they can and if they feel ready and I would also tell them to find people in their corner to help them because if you don't know there are two other girls on my case who are around my age and then we also sued with our coach and like alone I would not have done this like I would not have had the courage to sue my district and like have no one to turn to and to talk about that who was going through the same thing so I think find people in your corner and go for it because like the worst thing that can happen in my opinion is that the suit doesn't work which is probably unlikely given what we've been seeing so like there's nothing bad to try you know Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say a couple things in regards to the um, equal pay thing. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely a real problem. Like I, I once had a conversation with a friend of mine who you also know, but I don't want to say their name out <laughs> loud, um, who is also a softball player um, and she's really, really good. And I asked like if she would consider playing it professionally. And she basically told me that you can't play it professionally because you don't get paid enough. Um. Yeah, it's it's definitely um definitely a real problem. Uh Let's see. As for the future, um, what are what do you think are, are we kind of already asked this question already? But like, what what like um can the government do to expand um the protections of Title Nine?
2: I think just making it abundantly clear exactly like the. Issues and behavior that we're going for, and exactly what we're trying to prevent, and then enforcing it at the local level. Because what we've seen is like there's the Title IX, and it's hidden in some document somewhere. And then, locally, like as seen in my situation, there's no one there to actually be like, hey, you can't do that. Like, we have to, as women ourselves, pursue it on an individual level. And if there was some sort of system or something, I understand this would be really difficult because Title IX is such an individualist thing and every case is so different, but if there was something somewhere that said, like, you can't do this, you can't do that, and actually enforced it in a way that is preventative instead of us suing them after the fact, that would be ideal.
3: Yeah, thank you for that. So, um kind of approaching title line in a more broad political approach um so recently in the past couple weeks the supreme court has made several very controversial um rulings (laughs) to say the least um and because many um states are choosing to take access to abortion off of state-funded um Medical access like Medicare, um, do you, do you think that's a Title Nine issue? Do you, or do you think that that's you know a whole
2: other issue in and of itself? I think it has to be. It's such a like high profile thing at this point that it has to be tackled a little differently. But I do kind of think that it could be a Title line issue if you spun it right, because that is something that receives government funding. And it is, in my opinion, discrimination based on sex, like discrimination in health care. So I really do think that if that was a suit that could be worded correctly, that that could potentially become a Title IX issue. Yeah, thank you.
0: You've heard like, um, you've, told, you've told us a lot about how people say like, oh, why do you need a field? Um, and kind of dismiss your concerns. So um, why is it so important for players to have equal access to these resources. What, like, what, is it, what does that mean to you?
2: I mean, to me, I play sports because I love them, but also sports have given me so much confidence. Like, if I hadn't played softball, I would not be speaking to you right now. Like, I wouldn't be ordering my own food at a restaurant. Like, none of this would be happening. Um, and that's because sports have empowered me so much to develop as an individual, just, like, physically, mentally, emotionally, And I think that is so big for so many girls. Like, I think if you struggle finding community, softball and sports in general are so, so helpful. And they're just such a big part of so many people's worlds that I think having a situation like mine where your facility is just like garbage, they're not as good. The school doesn't put as much value on what you're doing, even though you're putting in the same amount of effort, even though your passion's there, like that hurts. And like, to be told by a system that you don't matter so early that gets ingrained. And it's awful. And I think it creates lasting issues down the line. And it's just it's not fun. And I, like, I cannot say enough how much this hurt to me and to all the people on my team. So having something that says we need equal access and having equal access is so impactful. Like, Having something that says you do matter and your effort is there, and we do see you, and you know, we love what you're doing. That is like the most powerful thing for me.
1: I remembered my question. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it's kind. You kind of already touched on it a
1: little bit in your response. But how does it make you feel when people pull it aside as Title IX and like turn it into like a left versus right issue versus just like a human issue, like That's, a human rights issue?
2: I think a lot of issues that were politicized and are just like, Egh. but this one especially, because it's so close to home, Like, it's not a political issue. What we did has no political affiliation. We weren't thinking, oh, I'm doing this because I'm a Democrat. Like, that was not the point, And that is not the point. And women having rights and being assertive and asking for what we want and what we need and what we deserve under the law is not a political issue and should not mean to be one. That it, I don't know. I think there's no black and white there. Just don't make it politics. It's not politics. Leave it alone. And that
1: I, uh, was such a lovely answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you see us snapping for you? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, I have... Oh, sorry. Star, do you up? a yeah, question? Yeah, I
0: just, I just wanted to say something really quick that um, Title IX was actually signed into law by a Republican president, so... <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> there like, you yeah. go. It's not a political issue, and it never was a political issue. It's just yeah. a people issue.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, um, if you didn't know, our podcast especially focuses on youth voices and politics through the eyes of people in our generation. So I wanted to ask, do you think that being um, yeah uh, for I I believe for part of this, if not all of this lawsuit, you were not yet eighteen. So do you think that being like a minor, being a kid. Um, made the lawsuit more difficult did you find that people did not take you as seriously or did you find that a lot of people were really empowering that and like supporting you as someone who wanted to make a difference like starting right now and not waiting for older people to take the lead
2: I think this is kind of a double-edged sword here on the one hand it was kind of weird I was thankful for this at the time and I am thankful for this now but like my dad like kind of co-signed it basically so like he was in the room for everything that we were doing like I just turned 18 a few weeks ago so like everything that has happened to date I was underage so I was thankful to have my dad there at the time but I did get like had some experiences especially early on when I was probably 15 16 and speaking at these school board meetings basically going there and being like guys what the hell like what are you doing I had a lot of, oh, you know, we support you, sweetie, and, like, stuff like that, where I felt like, okay, you're talking down to me, and I'm not being taken seriously. And I think that's partially being a woman and partially being, like, a small, baby-faced high schooler that was like, okay, you can't do anything about this. But then later, after the lawsuit was finished and I was through with, like, the legal challenges, I actually had the opportunity to speak at the ESPNW Women's Summit, and that was really cool. And I had a lot of people coming up to me and being like, "We are so happy that you are here and that you are doing this." I think actually, this is interesting. It was like a couple of days after the row leak, like original row leak, and people were like coming up and they were like emotional and they were like, "We are so excited that like after the week we've had, that you are here and you are the the voice of the next generation." Like, and that was really empowering to me because. I wanted to tell this story. And like, I think an important message that I have is that you do not have to be an adult to file a Title IX suit, you know? You have to have adult support and I'm sure you can find that. But you do not have to be an adult. And sometimes it's almost better if you're not because I think in the right hands, the, that story and your voice is even more impactful if you're young and you know what you're talking about and you're willing to stand up.
1: That's
3: so beautiful. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with everything. And that was incredibly well put. So thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I agree. I mean, I think youth voices are going to change the world. They already are doing so and will continue to. And it's really interesting because even older people I know are constantly saying that they're excited to see what our generation does with the world that we're going to inherit. And I think when we have people like you who are doing these amazing things and helping to pave a better future for all of us it's it's super cool to like see those people like you again who are doing the work and just to get to see what drives them um do either of you have any more questions i have an idea of like a closing segment we could do that might be kind of fun (laughs) no
0: i don't, I don't have any more questions
1: Welcome back to another episode of What the Heck Were They Thinking? So today we have a couple different funny news stories to discuss, and Olivia is going to help and give her opinion and laugh with us about how these people are acting. So, Story, do you want to start?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I, have, I have two that I wanted to share. First, um, from across the pond uh, in the UK, Boris Johnson resigned. Um, and in his resignation speech, he said, uh, I hate to be uh, resigning from the greatest job in the world, but them's the breaks. <laughs> he actually said that. And I couldn't believe it. I laughed so hard. Uh, an actual like politician resigning and saying them's the breaks. It's just... Um, and there's also like a serious point behind it that I kind of wanted to talk about. So basically the reason why is because he appointed someone to a cabinet position that was like a serial sexual abuser. And basically like all the rest of his cabinet were like, no we're like resigning and eventually he was forced to resign and i just i wish we had that same energy in america right because that's like half our government <laughs> and no one does a thing um yeah so that's the sad part but the second story is also is kind of sad but it's funny uh is john bolton was being interviewed by january 6th um and someone like said someone called it uh, what happened a coup and he was like as someone who's helped plan coups this was not a coup okay he was way too unorganized <laughs> <laughs> he actually just said like yeah he like, said that a on yeah. a
1: recorded tape
0: yeah i i first like saw like someone post it on their like instagram stories a meme and i was like oh that that's funny like i thought that it was like an edit but then i actually saw the video and i was like no he actually said that that he he planned coups uh which <laughs> he did um,
3: he needs a better lawyer is what he needs
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> i think that's like a, that's a head thought not an out loud thought you know <laughs> yeah
3: exactly
0: <laughs> yep oh my god he's just like what and like the fact that he's just like saying it's like defend his his like legacy It's like yeah you know don't compare what trump did to me (laughs) uh it's just (laughs) it's it's kind of depressing because he's never going to face like any repercussions for it but it's also kind of funny
1: yeah (laughs) why did he think that was a smart thing to say out loud i think i think we need to make a sunset politics twitter and like retweet that meme so that people who are, like, listening to this can go see it.
2: Because that's unbelievable. Yeah, I want to see his face as he's saying those words. I'm just, like, I'm really curious to see, like, what his facial reaction is to actually saying that out loud. Like, what
3: what didn't click in,
2: in your head? Like, is that one of the things where he said it and he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that? Or is he like, yep, that was the one, that was a singer, like...
3: Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> All right, Molly, do you have one that you want to talk about?
1: Yes. Um, so if you have been following the January 6th uh, committee hearings, uh, the Arizona House Speaker, Rusty Bowers, testified, I believe it was like about two weeks ago. I could be wrong, but I believe, I think about two weeks ago. Um, About, yeah, um, June 21st, looks like. And he was talking about how Trump kept trying to call him, Rudy Giuliani kept trying to call him and basically trying to get him trying to, they kept claiming that there was voter fraud and there was very strong evidence of voter fraud. And whenever he would ask them to send him proof, they'd be like, oh, we have lots of it. But then they would just never send it. But they kept telling him that. And he's like, okay, that's great. I'll take a look at it. Never sent it. This is the part that was the what on earth are you thinking? He said, "If Trump runs again, he will vote for him, and that he still like likes him." Why would you vote for someone who tried to get you to commit like election fraud? I just don't understand. And who says that in a congressional committee hearing?
3: Yeah, no, he's like, oh yeah, like to be to be frank, Trump definitely was doing some some sketchy stuff, but I'll vote for him again, <laughs> like okay
0: uh, yeah the, the best whole, was, was, whole... was talking
1: oh sorry sorry but no, it's like <laughs> no 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 go ahead mine keeps like cutting out okay wait let me oh, check yeah. my wi-fi keep talking
0: uh yeah the whole um the whole january 6th committee thing has been kind of interesting um there was another like funny moment where basically like uh it was from like a few weeks ago there was an aide to, to someone who was close to trump testifying and she basically said that like um at one point in the day she walked into his room and he's like thrown his dinner against the wall and they were like ketchup stands on the wall um <laughs> uh, yeah uh so further that's a, a, a proof bonus. that
3: trump is
1: an actual child <laughs> <laughs> the best was like when that i forget her name cassidy hutchins right or yeah cassidy something that's the person when I was she was testifying. yeah when she was testifying and she's talking about how like they were like, he was trying to get them to go to the Capitol with Trump when they got in the car. And then the security person or Secret Service was like, no, like, we're, we have to go back to the, back to the White House. And he, like, grabbed him by the collar or something because he was so mad that he couldn't go support his literal army of supporters. I would also like to add one more thing because we're talking about Trump in this. What were they thinking? So I was in Mexico last week. And... Mexico still has a mask mandate in the airport and guess who wasn't wearing their masks in the airport and looking really proud about it? The Americans. There was a lot of Canadians there all wearing masks and all the people who were not had American passports and I was sitting there like wow this is embarrassing this is why everyone hates us. So that's another what were they thinking moment. So if you go to Mexico please wear your mask in the airport. Like we gotta respect other countries' rules.
3: Yeah. Yep. All right. So my uh what the heck were they thinking, uh segment bit moment is a little bit sad and is like definitely like not a great sign for the country, but it's also like so stupid that it's borderline like Shocking. Anyways, um, so if you didn't know, recently uh, body cam footage from the police uh, responding to the Uvalde shooting was released, and there's body cam videos of a group of police meandering around the halls. One stops for hand sanitizer. He's just, like, chugging the hand sanitizer on the wall in the school as they wander around. Another guy, or another policeman checks his phone, and you can see that the background on his phone is actually a fascist dog whistle. And you're like, that's a little on the nose.
0: Just to add a couple clarifications to that, the policeman who was looking at his phone um, was actually checking for updates on um, his wife, who was a teacher who was actually dying inside the classroom, that the policemen were doing nothing to secure. Uh, So it adds a bit more context, and it really goes to show... How little the police were doing, given how much they knew. Um, on with the episode.
3: And obviously, what happened in Uvalde was absolutely tragic and unacceptable, and it is awful. It's also like, oh my! It bo- it's like how bad are these? Like, like how? Like how are you this bad at being a police officer? Like, you, you're. You're getting hand sanitizer in an active shooter situation while you're in the school where the active shooter is. And it's, I don't know, it's disturbing Um, and uh, kind of trigger warning. uh, But in the body cam footage released, you can hear kids screaming in the background. And these people are literally on their phones getting hand sanitizer. And it's like disturbing And it's also like, what, like, like, what logical thought, like, I feel like you completely, that that goes against human nature, like, if you're, I get like, fight, flight, or freeze, not saying that that's an excuse, but I, that like, logically makes sense, I guess, a little bit, but like, you're literally just chilling in an active shooter situation, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking, and
1: I hope they get fired. I mean, it's crazy to me that that is what was going on in that school. They claimed they were looking for the key to the door for, like, over an hour. The door was unlocked, supposedly. So, I don't know what the heck they were doing in there. I mean, they're being cowards. And that's yeah. that's so sad to hear that they were, you know, when there was people, again, trigger warning... Being killed. They were on their phones. And getting hand sanitizer. It's your job. Like, do your job. It's so frustrating. If I hear
3: one more, like, person of an older generation being like, Oh, you darn kids on your phone. So distracted. I'm like, what about about that? Like, uh, it's infuriating.
1: Olivia, do you have any thoughts?
2: Just... I, again, like, a little on the nose there with the phone background. And also, now we're behaving like we don't want diseases by getting hand sanitizer. Where was that during the COVID thing? I don't know. It's, it's yeah. just, on. like, yeah. it's shocking to see people doing that and to be like, oh, like, this looks like something, like, I don't know. This looks like a teacher simulator, like teacher on the break simulator, not actually police in an active shooting. Like, it's ridiculous.
1: Can I ask you a question too, if you don't mind, it has to do with like, like guns and being in school. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm just going to put a little trigger warning in here. Um, just going to talk about a little bit of gun violence just for one second, just because I'm curious to hear what Olivia has to say. As a student, were you ever concerned when you were going to school that something like that would happen? Whether it was, like, in elementary school, middle school, or high school or anything? Or, like, how did that impact you during high school?
2: I mean, we had a lot of, I won't say a lot, and nothing ever happened, to clarify. Like, I, nothing ever really happened. But we had a lot of threats. And it kind of got to the point where we would just go to school anyway and hope for the best. And be like, you know what? Like, say goodbye to your mom in the morning. Hope it's not the last time you do that. Like, I don't know it it was bad and it was always kind of in the back of my mind, but I was never like I don't know, even on the days where we did have threats and we would have police officers like watching us go through the doors and stuff like I don't know it like having going to school in this political environment where guns are such a, like the forefront of what we're talking about and media coverage and it's such a big issue right now like it is scary and I think we kind of take away from the fact that it is scary just for day to day but like it is and it's like I don't know about you guys but I think I'm going to be feeling that into my life even when I'm not attending a high school
1: absolutely and thank you for sharing that anything else Sam or Story no no well, perfect. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and thank you so much again to Olivia for coming on and teaching us some new things about Title Nine and just for coming on and talking with us. I had such a great time and I feel like I just learned so much from you and thanks for participating in our what the heck were they thinking segment
0: as well. All right. Can we just get you to say sunset out real quick?
2: Okay. Um, sunset out.